You got some rest. You look rested and you look blessed and you look alive with the power and love of Jesus on your life. This morning I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for just a few moments and I'm not gonna be long. But on fierce. Fitting, right? Um, and I'm gonna break fierce down to you, down just with each letter. Okay? And this is gonna stick with you because. The trying of our faith works what? You know the word? How many of you have your Bible? It's a good thing to have in church. It's a good thing to have all the time. If you have your Bible, get it out. We're going to use it a lot this morning. All right? If you have it on your smartphone, go ahead and get that out too. <laughs> but we're going to talk about fears. And I'm going to break this down. Faith in every risky, challenging event. How do you want to be fierce? You want to be known as a fierce woman? You want to be known as a fierce warrior? There's no way for us to be fierce without having faith in every risky, challenging event. You look at the women and the men of God that you revere in your life, and it's not because they've never gone through it. It's because they've gone through it with exceptional faith. And they've come out on the other side of something. See, we always want the blessing of the people of God that we esteem and revere. But we don't ever want to walk through what it takes to be proven and tried. If we want to be fierce women, and I believe in this day and time that God is raising up an army of fierce women warriors. Fierce women warriors. He is raising us up. If we want to be fierce, then we've got to be willing to be forged. We've got to be willing to be forged. We want to be fierce without the fire. And it just doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Matthew 6.34 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm going to take it a step further and say, Without faith, it's impossible to be fierce. God is never going to create a life for you where faith is not necessary. God not only leads us into moments like last night and this morning of greater intimacy and dependence on Him as He forges us into fierce women, but He also entrusts us with certain assignments, gifts, opportunities, and resources. If there's anything I've learned about following Jesus, it's that usually it's the upside down of what I think that it's going to be. 
And if you are really a Christ follower, you pretty much in over your head all the time. Can I get a witness? Anybody else say, well, there you go, Pastor Seth. You just identified me, and I'm obviously being forced to be a fierce warrior. I want to talk to you just a minute about what God is doing with us when he's forging us. The weight of what God has called us to creates pressure. Anybody feel the pressure? In our lives. And it's uncomfortable pressure. Pressure's never fun. It's never easy. To forge something. You see in the old movies where they would always be forging swords. The heat has to be applied. The fire has to be applied. The hammer has to be applied. And it has to be shaped. Anybody feel like you've had the heat applied to your life and that you've gone through times of shaping and times of remolding and remaking? Good news. That's good news. It's not bad news. See, we've got to flip the way we think about things. Because when we're walking through the fire, it means that God's forging something in us. He's purifying something in us. And we just need to surrender to it other than to fight through it. Right? So he's forging us into fierce warriors. And I want you to know that growth is important. God's not interested in making you comfortable. He's not. He's not interested in you living an easy life. He's interested in you being powerful and having authority. And the only way for him to do that is to grow you, to forge you. The reason he gave us the Holy Spirit is for more than to shut up in worship. He said, I will go away, but I'm going to send one to you who is a comforter. So that in these times where we're walking through trying of our faith, we call upon the comforter. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. It's to give you power. I read a meme the other day and it said, do you have to have the Holy Ghost to get into heaven? And it said, honey, I wouldn't go to Walmart without the Holy Ghost. And I thought, well, isn't that a truth? That's the truth. Most definitely you need the Holy Ghost to Walmart. For sure, right? Especially when you're standing in those lines. The reason he gave us the Holy Ghost is because he knew he was going to be leading us into uncomfortable, hot, sticky, difficult situations. The question for us is not whether we're going to face uncomfortable pressure. It's how we're going to respond to the pressure. See, how we respond determines what we will possess. There's no way around being forged. If you're here, you're being forged, whether you yield to the process or not. God's process of forging in your life is going to involve weakness. This is what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. Because we, when we talk about fears, we see what? Just name out some things that you, when I say fierce, what do you think of? Strong, savage, brave, wild. How about weak? You see what I'm saying? Flip our thinking because there's no way for us to be fierce unless we're weak. Yeah. 
No way for us to be fierce unless we're okay with being weak. I'm going to teach you a little bit about that this morning. There are two different kinds of pressure that God applies in our lives. we got to be able to pick those things out. How many of you are good looking and saying, well, that belongs here and that doesn't belong here, right? And see, a lot of times we accept things in our lives that don't belong to us at all. Two different kinds of pressure that you encounter when you're walking through the forging season. One's from God and one's not. Real easy. If it provokes me to be closer to God, if it makes me want to be more intimate with Him, if it makes me lean into God, then that's the God kind. If it makes me want to stay home, if it makes me want to be alone, if it makes me feel fear, that's not the God kind. Okay? That's not the God kind. So we're going to talk this morning, I'm just going to be real plain. Is that okay? Is it alright? Because I, I love it that we just shouted out those things. Because God's ways are upside down from every way that we would ever think. Let's just say this. If we would think that God would be one way, He would be the exact opposite. And so in our strength, we can't be fierce. And we will exhaust ourselves trying. As a matter of fact, he said in his word, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. How many of you have ever seen The Lion King? Yeah? There's a scene in The Lion King where Simba is stepping out. He's just a little cub. And he goes to war. And his daddy is behind him. And he roars out and the whole jungle shakes, right? That's the I want you to get a picture because in the spirit, that's what we have to begin to look like. When God is backing our weakness up with his strength, it's then that this earth, that this planet, the revival that we've heard prophesied about for years is going to be in action. It's when we take the mic out of our mouth and we say, I'm just weak enough to let you roar down. Don't despise your weakness. Some of you have looked at your weakness as your worst enemy. You need to look at that as an invitation for God to be found. You can recognize which one's for God and which one isn't. Fear or faith. They're polar opposites. Right? By the direction in which they push you. God's always going to be inviting you. Come closer. Nudging you. Challenging you to step into further faith. And here's something. Rest. You say, what's that, Pastor Steph? What's that? I had to I had to leave and come all the way here to get a night of rest. <laughs> right? Right? Not me. I'm just saying that that's sometimes how we feel, right? We have to go away from home to get rest. Tony almost choked in her sleep last night. Her first night away home from her baby. And she was sleeping so hard. <laughs> she she choked and they couldn't sleep the rest of the night. Right? Because we're not accustomed to rest. 
we, especially as women, right, we say, well, our men will work hard all day and then they'll get to rest, right? They get to come home and play with the remote, you know, whatever. But we're working, working, working. And so often we pride ourselves in that. Yeah? But the God kind of forging to make us fierce is going to require us to rest. It's going to require us to pull away from things and to rest in something that's secret and sacred. You know there's things that are secret and sacred? Everything's not for display. Everything's not for the public eye. God's always going to be pushing you when it's a faith forging to be closer to Him. But when the enemy is pushing you, you're going to feel fear and you're going to feel ungodly. Here's a good word, striving. You ever feel like you're striving? Then that's not of God. That's not of God. Striving is from the enemy. It will make, you'll feel like you're having to push things out of maybe a timing. Like the timing's wrong, this doesn't feel right. Like you're in a screaming period. Okay? Rest. Rest in it. Your time is coming. God says, I've had you on the calendar for years. And you think you've looked at something and you say that I'm in a screening, but God said right today, He wants to confirm that you are on the right track. Stand your ground. Stand your ground and rest in me. He says, rest. You, you go to sleep good tonight. Do you hear me? You are going to sleep good tonight. You're going to rest in knowing that He has you. He has you, period. You know, a lot of times we do things and we feel like, well, you know, faith without works is dead, right? And so I think a lot of times we, we want to use that to work a little bit against us. It's like, you know, i got to keep working and working and working and working and working and working and working. And God, when are you going to step in here? He says, when you stop. When you stop, turn to Mark 35, or Mark 4, 35 through 40 with me. It says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. They left the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus, however, was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Master, don't you care if we drown? He got up, spoke to the wind and the waves. Hush, be still. And then he went and laid back down. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you have no faith? If you feel like you can't sleep, it's fear. Period. If you feel like it's robbing you of your faith, it's fear. Period. Look at the difference between the position and the condition of Jesus and the disciples right here. The difference is faith produces rest versus striving which produces fear. As followers of Christ, we've got to be able to sleep in the middle of the storm. Sleep in the middle of the storm and speak calm to the storm. We've got to be able to rest in the midst of the pressure and then deal with whatever is creating that pressure by standing 
on the authority that God has given to us. When you're encountering a storm in your life, speak to it. And then go to sleep. We've got to unbecome. We've got to unlearn our ingrained reactions to pressure. Because for us to ever be forged fierce, we've got to get out of the default settings of fear and striving. And we've got to lay in faith and rest. How do we do that? We put hope in God's promise to build our house and to fulfill the vision He has out in our hearts to bear lasting fruit. You want to bear fruit? We've got to step into the fullness of who God created us to be. Psalms 27 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. What is that saying, Pastor Steph? It says God's forging an army of fierce women. Women who have faith in every risky, challenging event. And in the forging, he's growing us. He's building us. It's not that we don't have to work on us. But that we're not in the lead position to work on us. He's building the house. How many of you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. Our part is to cooperate with God as He forges us. Striving belongs to what the Bible calls the realm of the flesh. Okay? The life of the believer is to function solely in the realm of the Spirit and not the flesh. Galatians 3, 2, 3 says, let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Think about it. Or was it by responding to God's invitation to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete their own efforts. What was begun by God? If you weren't smart enough to begin it, how do you think you can end it? How do you think you can perfect it? The moment that we start to think that we're responsible for what's going on here is the moment we start to step away from our true responsibility. The way that God enables us to live in faith and rest is that He didn't choose ourselves for this journey. Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, You didn't choose yourself. God chose you. Turn to the other person and say, you didn't choose yourself. God chose you. God chose you. Now say it to myself. God chose me. God chose me. And if God chose me, then somebody can't unchoose me. Then what I walk through in my life can't uncall me. Then the situations that surround me can't take me out because God chose me. See, David wasn't an obvious choice to be king. As a matter of fact, he didn't even make it to the ceremony. It's a bad thing when even your daddy won't call you to make the cut. Gideon wasn't the obvious choice to fight the Midianites. The disciples weren't the obvious choice to be world changers. And we, none of us, were obvious choices to be fierce warriors for God. It's to God's advantage every time that he chooses people who aren't obvious. Because then he qualifies us for the job. Because we're less likely to think that we got this. Right? 1 Corinthians 
It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may get the big head. Basically. I'm just paraphrasing. Alright? Into our terminology. It's not fun, but it's a good sign that you're in the right place when you find yourself feeling like I am not good enough. For what you've asked me to do. I'm not qualified for what you've asked me to do. But John 15, 16 says, remind yourself of the words of Jesus. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Our confidence is not in our ability to do, but in God's ability to choose. Say that. My confidence, my confidence. is not in my ability to do. But in God's ability to choose. That should kind of take the pressure off. Right? That makes you strive less and rest more. Because He chose you. Have you ever been on the playground at recess when you were little? And you're picking teams? And you're like, oh, Lord, pick me, pick me, pick me. Right? Pick me, pick me, pick me. Yes? Well, in this scenario, you were the first pick every time. In this scenario, when God was doing the choosing, you were the first pick every time. God's process of forging our lives is always going to involve our weakness. This journey of developing intimacy, dependence, faith, and rest is going to bring you into situations on purpose where your natural strength, abilities, and energy are exhausted. I got a text message this morning from one of my sisters back at home. And she said, I am exhausted. And I said, good. <laughs> because when you are exhausted, that's an invitation for God's strength to be found. When you read the Bible, you'll see that not only can you avoid weakness as you follow Christ, but you're going to see that you're supposed to have a really weird attitude towards weakness. Like, you're supposed to like it. You're supposed to get happy about it. See, the culture has taught us that we've got to be ashamed of our weakness. That we've got to hide our weakness. And in doing that, it just continues to back us into the corner. But I got news today, honey. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Because when I am God's girl, I know that my weakness makes me take the stage, not go into hiding. How many of you are really, you're really comfortable with your weakness? Just lift your hand up. Three people. You see what I'm saying? It don't matter how much we preach fierce. If we're not comfortable in our weakness, we're going to stay striving and afraid. God is raising up an army of weak warriors who are fierce for Him. 
See, for too long, the enemy has made us feel like, and, and there's just something about Pentecostal church. Sorry, I'm a Pentecostal girl. I was, I was raised in a church of God church my whole life. And there's something about the air that we give that makes people suffer in silence. I'm just going to make it plain. Is that all right? There's something about this. I, and maybe, I, I know that I know that we got a little free now. We can wear pants in the house of God and stuff like that. You know, when I was growing up, I was never allowed to cut my hair. I was never allowed to wear pants. My kids are like, that is so weird. What, what does that have to do with holiness? That's what they will ask me. They're like, what? I, I don't get it. I'm like, good. Then I've done my job. Okay? But something about all of those rules and regulations that I was taught as a little girl made me think that if I didn't look a certain way, if I didn't act a certain way, and if I sure struggled with anything, then I better keep that secret because that wasn't pleasing to God. Now that wasn't out and out taught or said. Yeah, but some things are taught more than they're taught. Some things are caught more than they're taught. So we have an army of dry bones. We have an army of dry bones. Because people have suffered in silence to the point where there's no life. There's no flesh. There's no, you know, it was Paul as he was speaking to the church at Corinth. And he said, you put this thorn in my flesh, God. And I asked you three times to remove this. And you said, no. <clears throat> now when you go to God with your weakness, with the thorn in your flesh, with the thing that's tripping you up all the time, and you say, I prayed until I'm exhausted to you to ask you to remove this thing from me. And he says, uh-uh. You know why? My grace is sufficient for you. Grace works for everybody but us. As long as my hair is long and I don't got on any makeup, then right? Then I'm saved. And then the heart gets all muddy and messy and ugly. And it starts to take over because the word of God says out of the heart feel the issues of life. So we're going to tear down some of those walls today. We're going to tear down some of those walls today and we're going to say that we're free in our weakness. You know, God wants you to worship him. Listen to this. This is upside down. God wants you to worship him with what makes you weak. picture of that woman in the Bible? She washed Jesus' feet and then she dried with her hair and everybody around was like, you, you obviously have no idea what kind of woman this is. But she was worshiping God with the thing that identified her as being an she was worshiping God 
with the thing that identified her weakness. When she let down her hair, they knew. She was a woman of the night. A harlot. And how dare the king of kings let this kind of woman even come close to him, much less pour oil on him and then wash his feet with her hair? Dry them? Are you kidding me? Do we see that? And boy, we sing songs about it. You don't know the cause of the oil. We write songs about it. We sing songs about it. And then we stand with boxes full of oil. Going sour. Because we're just too afraid to break the box. Afraid of what people think. Afraid of even letting our own weakness out before the Lord. See, the disciples taught us different ways about weakness. They taught us to delight in weakness. To rejoice in weakness. They used words like delight in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 10 says, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. 1 Peter 1, 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Rejoice in trials. James 1, 2, 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith works perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be fierce, mature and complete, and not lacking anything. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hardship, suffering, trials, and persecution are not experiences that we like to look at and say, oh, I'm happy. But we need to get happy about it. Because experiencing those things gives us access to two things we get no other way. Faith and strength. You get it no other way. You want to be fierce? Go through trials. Want to be fierce? Go through hardships. Want to be fierce? Go through difficulty. Want to be fierce? Be weak. And be okay with being weak. I just want you to say that to yourself. I'm okay with being weak. Boy, I know this is like just the polar dichotomy of everything we've been taught is fierce. I'm okay with being weak. I want you right now to just think about, you're going to have to be real with yourself. Okay? Think about your area of weakness. Right now, get it in your mind and say it to yourself. I'm okay with Whatever your weakness is. Are you doing it? Are you taking inventory? <laughs> I'm okay with being weak here. 
Because I know that it's an invitation for you to be strong. I'm okay with being weak here. Because I know it's an invitation for you to come and dwell. Hebrews 11.6 says, it's one of the most popular verses on faith. And it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We love the concept of faith and pleasing God with faith. We just don't want to be put in positions where faith is required. But for faith to birth fruit, we all have to come to this place. This place that we're at right now. Listen to this scripture. It's so good. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8-9, it says, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Far beyond our ability means that they're okay. What, what are you talking about? This is the word that we're going to read about for ages. And the prophets and the apostles and the disciples were okay with saying would we read any of these stories if they just wanted to talk about their strength then why do we I believe that there are countless books waiting for God's hand to pin And all that it takes is us being okay for him to be strong. That's all that it takes. He loves to put us in situations where we can please him with our faith. Because nothing is worth more to him than faith. Think about what it took to get you to be a Christ. What it takes. Simply believe. Believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, right? right? So then why do we abandon that once we get in the faith? God's looking for us to activate our faith. And he's going to continue. Not necessarily, did God send this to me? I love when Christians say this. Did God send this to me? No, but he will use it. He will use it. All things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. 1 Peter 1, 6, 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith is much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to be praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In those moments where we feel like we don't have anything more, God says, guess what? You're right where I want you, and you're about to find out that you have genuine faith. Tested, tried, proven, genuine faith when we let God lead us into weakness. So we're not going to despise weakness. We're going to rejoice in it. I know this isn't a popular message. You want me to tell you, you are strong, girl. 
Because those imperfections make space for him. I have some amazing ladies with me. Some of you have said, I love these girls. They're like, Pastor Steph, I love it that you, you bring your ladies with you and that they're activated in ministry and that they're moving. And God wants to see more of that. I'm just going to speak that over you, okay? God wants to see more of that. And it doesn't always take a platform to do it. You have a platform wherever you are at. Where you work, where you live, where you go to school. How many young people are in here? I just want you to raise your hand. If you're a teenager or younger, raise your hand. You don't have to wait. Listen to me. You do not have to wait until you're 40 for God to use you. Okay? Right now are the best years of your life. You don't have to go through circumstances and trials that are going to take you. You hear me? I said it last night. You are not normal. Is she yours? Well, then you're definitely not normal. Right? And stop trying to hide it. Don't try to dumb yourself down to fit the culture. Don't try to dumb yourself down to fit the friends around you. The way around you. You call them. There's an uprising in the spirit. Because I believe that there is a young generation who are sick and tired of playing church. And they're ready for the real church to rise up. And I'm just telling you, it's going to take people who have literally sat down and sat on God and sat on Saturday morning. Boy, we had church last year on Saturday morning. If you were here last last year on that Saturday morning, and I remember I, I had called Tony up and she was ministering with me, and we shared some of her testimony. And she had tried for years, her and her husband, AJ, to have a baby, and the doctor said it wasn't going to happen. Now this is her first trip without her baby. And he is the most beautiful, oh my Lord. He is absolutely beautiful. And his name is Sego, which means life. But we began to minister last year on that Saturday morning to people who were believing to have children. And Pastor Leah tells me that there are three women here who in that year time... One is here. So there were three ladies who were here that day that we prayed over who now, within that year, have children. One of them's here. Okay. If you're here, that's you. Stand up. take place. The same month she saw a miracle take place. How a 
amazing. Tell me if you're ready. Yeah. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. Do you have a picture? Yay! Let me squeeze in here. Matter of fact, nine months to the day. Thank you. 